This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Good morning. It is so great to see everyone. <laughs> You're looking so good this morning. You know, you look better than you've looked in a while. I tell you, just... Uh, such a blessing, and uh, then to see the tall man on the front row here, Mr. George Finney. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, just a, a pleasure uh, to be here. I, I want to thank everyone who has asked about my dad and reached out. Uh, continue to pray for him and lift him up. As you know, he tested. Uh, positive for the virus, the rest of the family's negative, so just ask you to continue to pray for him. Greatly appreciate it. I want, I want before I get into the message, talk about something uh, for just a moment. Uh, you know, our nation is needing prayer. How many have noticed that our nation needs prayer? And when you think about... Uh, what's going on in the earth. The, the church is to be the model, set the example. We're to be the ones who set the pace for the world, so to speak, because we're to display Jesus, the light to the world. And when I, I saw this thing that happened with uh, George Floyd, uh, I could not watch it. I already knew the end results, and uh, I really have never watched it uh, through because it just was so troubling and disgusting and um, just couldn't, couldn't watch it. But what are we as a church, you know, what is our response? One thing that I thought was uh, good is 96% of Americans thought that was murder and thought it was awful. I thought, well, that's a good percentage that agreed with that. But I, I believe that the church, we need to also be on the forefront of bringing this racial reconciliation. And how do we do that? What, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I've talked to a couple friends of mine and gotten some insight, but the Lord ministered just a couple scriptures to me. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus speaking, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that you will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I'm in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. It says all be one. If there's any place every person should be valued, it's the church. Because we're commanded by God. To be that way. And 
I, I feel like I'm speaking to the choir because we are a very loving church and a very uh, accepting church. But there's, there's people that are not, and we need to minister and be that voice of what God is calling us to. It says that they may be in us and that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus said there's something about evangelism from the church just being in unity that speaks to the world. I mean, though, there's not a whole lot of unity in the world. There's just unity. There's just unity among the races. <laughs> there's just unity in, in families. Yet the church, the body of Christ, we're to be one and we're to be those that are really speaking. Uh, one of the greatest tools to evangelize is unity in the church. That we love each other and we're for each other. So why is racial injustice important? Because there's people in here who are affected out there. There are brothers and our sisters that we love. And it affects them, actually, ultimately affects all of us. Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that we're one body. Many parts, many gifts, all with a, a special purpose from God. But we're all in one body. And it, it's interesting that he used that analogy. Do you know that when your body suffers hurt, that blood cells through that trauma go to that area. They remove the healthy cells, remove the dead cells, and bring life. What if we, when there's a brother or sister hurting, we are like those healthy cells? Because we're one body. And we bring healing. We bring a listening ear and an open heart. And I believe that's where this thing really starts and has to be. The Bible talks about when one is rejoicing, we all rejoice. One's crying, we're all crying. And somebody needs to be running with a tissue to them because we love each other and we're for each other. And last time I checked, uh, I don't think there's anyone perfect here. Is there anyone perfect here? And I'm putting my hand down because I realize it's up. Get down. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. So we love each other. In Romans 12, verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And while I was praying about this, the Lord, and I'm going to share the scripture in just a moment, about carrying each other's burden. And, and the Lord really showed it to me. It's like when you're married and, and mama has a problem, everyone has a problem. You're first married, you may not understand the female psyche. I'm standing on holy ground right now. You may not understand, but 
because she is hurt, she has a problem, I have a problem. It's, it's the same thing. We are the body of Christ together. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another our reverence for Christ. Hebrews 10, 23, let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So a term I want to just give you is empathy. Empathy. What is empathy? It's seeking to understand and feel what another person is experiencing. And it's to be heard and loved. And actually, years ago, first starting at ministry, the Lord ministered this to me. I was counseling a couple, and he said, would you listen because you're already preparing what you're going to say without listening. And when I stopped and I listened, I saw the root. But when I was coming back with my pat answer, it wasn't going to do any good. It was just going to say, here's my pat answer. Bye, go work it out. But when I heard and listened with love, everything changed. And it, it really set a, 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 a place in my ministry that I always try and feel, what is the other person? If I was in their shoes, what are they feeling? What are they? Because, you know, we have blind spots. We, we don't understand maybe what could hurt someone. But we can always talk and we can, we can listen Empathy is the catalyst for unity. We live in community uh, for our lives, and we're to live for each other. And this is the verse that the Lord gave me, Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and then this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The royal law of Christ is the law of love. Carry each other's burdens. So we need to seek and, and talk to people and see get understanding, see why they're hurting, and build relationship. And be intentional about reaching out to those that are not like you. You know, open up your life. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Why don't you just stand for a moment? And let's pray for our nation. And let's believe for the church to be even as Elder Zach was saying, it's, it's the church, awakened church, to stand up and be who we are. And who we are is a people of love, a people of compassion and mercy who value every single person. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you so much that you've called the church to be in unity, that you've called us all to walk together with compassion. And, and Lord, when one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we're all rejoicing. God, that we can carry each other's burden, that we can be intentional with our love and reach out beyond our family to others. And God, that there be open hearts and open communication and there be empathy to see what the other person is saying and what they're feeling. Because, God, we want to be a solution. We want to be an answer. We want to bring life. And we want to bring that 
that compassion and heart that only comes from you. And God, we thank you for moving in this nation. We pray for the church to arise and be strong in the earth and take our rightful place and to stand against injustice, to stand strong and not be silent, but let our voice be heard, to call evil evil and call good good. And Lord, I thank you that we'll influence and we'll be seen by the world and there'll be uh, a a voice saying that God is surely alive. Because look at the church. Look at those that are walking together in love. And God, we thank you that you give wisdom to our, our leaders and the president, Congress, and the mayors, the governors. Lord, let there be a, a voice of unity. Let there be peace. And God, we come against those that are taking advantage of this time, the looting, the terrorism. And, and Lord, we come against that in the name of Jesus. And we call a halt to that. It's stopped in, in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for those that are, are carrying uh, authority in the earth that, Lord, they carry in a righteous way. And God, we give you the honor we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Well, I feel better getting that off my chest. <laughs> you know, no. I'm not going, I've got this, I got this, I've got this, okay. Last week we heard from, um, about Elijah and, and Elder uh, Robert Montgomery, what a, a great message, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, he had me wanting to call down fire from heaven and look for <laughs> altars of, of Baal and... <laughs> It was a great word, and, and we saw the power of God demonstrated through uh, Elijah and, and the prophet. Today, we're going to look at um, a portion of Scripture in the, in the story in chapter 16. There's so much in this chapter. Um, when Isaiah 53 showed up in it, it'd be real easy just to camp there. I could camp there for weeks, probably months, but... Um, the Lord re-quickened a different portion of the, the story to me this time. So um, we're going to look at, let me mention the context for this. We're going to look at Isaiah's encounter with God. But King Uzziah is over the northern kingdom or over uh, Israel. And he is a king when there's great prosperity in, in Israel. Uh, things are just flowing and, and going great. He has um, brought prosperity. He, he rebuilt the, the walls of Jerusalem. He built uh, cisterns in the desert, massive ones that 
uh, caused the, the, the farming and uh, just to thrive and, the, and business just to, to thrive. He built up the military, and it, it was just a great time of prosperity, and uh, there was uh, a, a wonderful things he was doing. He was serving God, but when this prosperity started to flow, he started looking to himself. And he started taking the credit for it. How many know that everything good in your life, give credit where credit is due? He started taking credit for this. I did this. I brought prosperity to Israel. I'm the one that built these cisterns. Uh, the, The flowing waters because of me. The farmers are all happy because of what I've done. And pride came into his life. He started great, but he finished poorly. And the Bible says that he was struck with leprosy. He actually really upset God because he decided that the ways of God didn't matter. He went into the temple that was only a sign for the priest to go into. And he goes in like he's a priest. Like forget God. Like he was really saying, I'm God, I make the rules. So he struck with leprosy. And now he he has died. And that's where we take up the scripture that I want to look at this morning. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and two he covered with his face, with two he covered with his feet, and with two he flew. Now get the contrast here. A leprous, corrupt, ungodly, prideful king had passed away and now Isaiah has a vision of an eternal king, incorruptible, holy, righteous king sitting on the throne. Get the contrast of what's happening here. Maybe the king of Israel had died, but the God of Israel had not died. And God is is making his point to get things back on track again for Israel. You see here, it, it says, the Lord, I saw the Lord. That means Adonai. You look it up. Adonai means master. Our kids used to watch a cartoon and uh, they would say, Master of the Universe. And I would always yell, Adonai. (laughs) We had a lot of fun with that. Adonai is the Master of the Universe, King of Glory, Sovereign God. He is the Master of everything. That's what this term is. He saw the Master. He's seated on throne, high and lifted up. High and lifted up points to royalty above all other royalty, above all other authority. He sits on the throne, a throne of glory, 
that we worship him. A throne of government under which we are subject. A throne of grace to which we may come boldly. This throne is high and lifted up above all competition. This throne is so high and lifted up there's no one, there's no equal to God. Many times we think the devil's an equal. He's not an equal. He's a created being. There is no equal to God. The only uncreated being that exists is God Almighty Adonai. There is no equal. I like the song that we sing, He Has No Rival. When God wanted to, he looked for someone to make covenant and to uh, swear by. He looked around, he said, I don't see anybody else. So he swore by himself. You see, seraphim, and this means burning ones, are holy angels. The burning ones, they burn in love to God and zeal for his glory. Notice they had two wings that covered the eyes, and that means to listen and obey. Sometimes you just have to shut your eyes and listen and obey what the Lord says. And then it says, two wings covered the feet. It means I'm not going into a direction until God guides me into a direction. So the feet were covered. And then there was two wings to fly. We're to soar for God and be active. We have a mission to fulfill in the earth. The seraphim, the burning ones. And then the next verse, they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy. And when I studied this out, it's one of the most, the hardest words to grab hold of and I just put down just a, a lot of things that um, stay in out that holy means but it the term it, it was so holy that it could not be said just once it had to be said three times holy 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 it, it's so pure and so holy that if you say it once you're a miss and it's so holy that it's continually said by the seraphim. Say holy. <laughs> God is holy. So holy means unapproachable, separatedness. It means to be perfect, perfection. Perfect in character, God is perfect in power, perfect in knowledge, perfect in wisdom, perfect in morality, perfect in goodness, perfect in righteousness, perfect in actions, perfect in thoughts, anything that you can think of. He is perfection in it. There's not one shadow of imperfection in God. He's holy. holy God. It also means to cut or to consecrate. To, uh, it means consecrated, sanctified. And it's where we get the, uh, we would say a cut above. 
He is a cut above every other thing that exists. He's in a class by himself. Holy. Holy is the Lord. Holy is not a character trait of God. It is a sum total of all his characteristics. So holy is not just his morality or his perfection in one area. It's a sum total of everything that he is. All his, his characteristics are in the word holy. So do, do you see that we've got to understand what this word means. When we sing holy, it's not just, well, God hidden sin today. I mean, it's a whole lot more than that. A whole lot more. We're going to be saying it for eternity. Because I don't believe that you can come before his presence that you're not holy, holy, holy. It defines pure perfection, worthy of complete devotion. This holy is so holy that it is worthy of complete devotion to. He's holy. Maybe we just need to tell him he's holy. It's a worship to him. Because what we do, we're worshiping him as who he really is. He is holy. In the next verse, it says, And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and he sees him holy. And what does he say? Whoa, I'm undone. There's nothing, there was, when you look it up, it was like, Silence. There was no defense. There was nothing that could be said. Whoa. I'm undone. I'm coming apart at the seams in the presence of holy God. Other versions say, the curse is on me. My fate is is destruction. Message Bible says, I'm as good as dead. It's like, I saw the Lord. Holy, I'm dead meat. I'm dead. Destruction is mine to even be in the presence of holy God because he's unapproachable. He's, he's pure perfection. He's majesty. And he goes, there's no hope for me, another 
Version says. And then he says, I have unclean lips. Now, I used to think, just me in my early days, well, clean your lips. I have unclean lips. And everybody around me has unclean lips. You know, get a washcloth and clean your lips. That's just some Bob thinking. But Jesus really brings out what is being said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures, treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. The tongue or the lip is connected to your heart. What Isaiah had was a heart problem. What Bob had was a heart problem. What you had before you accepted the Lord was a heart problem. And there was no one around that could help. There was no self-help situation. There was no doctor. There was no person I knew. There was no neighbor. There was no one that could help me in my awful situation. Only God could, could give me a new heart. Only God could do anything about it. It was not within my strength to change my heart. Apart from the grace of God, I'm undone. I have a wicked heart and there's nothing I can do about it. Next verse says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Now what's an altar? An altar is a place where the sacrifice is put. And this coal was taken from the place of sacrifice. And the seraphim flew and touched his lips and he said, your sins have been purged. In other words, healing, or we know, a new heart. Because of the sacrifice of that altar. What was on that altar? Wow. The coal is taken from the altar. The coal touches his lips and it has the power to cleanse his lips. On the altar was a substitute which could purify our sinful hearts. And we know that Christ suffered for our sins. It was a holy sacrifice. He did not die for his sins. There weren't any. Why? See, it's holy. It's a holy sacrifice. He died for my sins and your sins. Message Bible says, He touched my mouth with the coal and said, Look, this coal has touched your lips. Gone your guilt, your sins are wiped out. Hallelujah. Do you see that God took a sacrifice and he touched Isaiah's lips 
And he did away with the sin issue. The very thing that was separating him from holy was removed. Only God had the power to do that. And God did it for us. So our correct response to God is to trust in his sacrifice and give him our complete devotion. Who is the coal that purifies? I want you to know it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the coal that purifies, that touches our life and gives us a new heart. Even as Elijah used a shadow of the real substitute when he put the bull on the altar and the fire God came and consumed it, the fire God hit God's own son that was sacrificed on the altar to purge us of all sins and all guilt and all that would cause us to be separated from a holy God. God himself, out of his love, was compelled to send the Son and to die for us where we could be in contact with him, where we could say, here I am, Daddy, where we could be boldly invited to the throne room of grace. We have an open invitation to come in the presence of holy now. Do you understand Do I understand? No. (laughs) I'm grasping that. How big it is what God did for us through that sacrifice. Wow. We can be with God. In fact, it says we're birthed of God. We've been birthed of him. Oh, excuse me. I'm getting excited here. Holy had to die for the unholy to live. Isaiah 6, 8. Now I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Whom shall I send? Say, God wants his message of love. His message of his kingdom. He wants the gospel. He wants the message out there. He said, Whom can I sin? What's Isaiah say? He goes, here am I. No. He didn't say, here am I. He said, here am I. Why? It wouldn't. He was trying to give God his location. Here am I over here. Got your GPS on God? I'm over here. No. He was showing his heart. A surrendered heart. Here am I of a surrendered heart for you. And you've changed me by the sacrifice. I've been changed and I will go forth for you. I will speak for you. I will give my life for you because you've given me eternal life. You've given me an inheritance I didn't deserve. Your blood was shed for me. You've paid the price I can't comprehend. The great depth of your love. I'll, I'll live for you, God. And so Isaiah surrendered his heart. He said, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. And it's a privilege and an honor we have to 
to share his love and his message. To surrender to a holy God. A God with unconditional love. In Hebrews 10, in closing, Hebrews 10, verse 11. Under the old covenant, the priests stand and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all Time, say for all time, one sacrifice. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Hebrews 10 14. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are made. What? Do you see it? Say holy. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. What? I'm telling you the purity and perfection of that sacrifice was so strong that when it touched your life, you got a new heart, new spirit, and it's filled with God's Holy Spirit. And now you have been made holy in your spirit. Somebody. (laughs) Do you see how far this thing? Now we have God living in us. Now we stand before God and we get that revelation. We go, whoa. It's not a woe is me. It's, it's more like a wow. What? He's made us holy in our spirit. Well, pastor, I still mess up. Yes, we all do. There's something called your behavior and your conduct. And, and God wants you to be holy in those places too. I mean, no, that's a work in progress. And we, we repent for those. Repentance is not about your spirit. You don't have to get saved again. Repentance is about your soul and your body, your flesh. And you repent because it's an open door to the enemy. And you're causing... A bad seed to be sown. And there's seed time and harvest in the earth. But God, he is constantly seeing us in Christ. as holy and perfected. Mm. Hebrews 10.10, 10, New Living Translation. For God's will was for us to be made holy... By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all time. Hebrews 12, 23. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. 
You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> We've come a long way, baby. A long way. And God did it. Your spirit's perfect. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Mercy means you've blown it. You need mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. The answer to being reconciled to each other is to be reconciled to God. Really. It's going back to the basics. What's the word say? Let's bow our heads. And Father, we just thank you so much for your word today. We're, we're in awe. We reverence you, God, for all that you've done for us. We, it's just mind-expanding, Lord, to, to see and understand Scripture that you adopted us as your very own children and you made us the righteousness of God. You made us holy inside. Your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We thank you for being so good to us. And Lord, we thank you that we have a response to the message. We can accept you or reject you. We can accept the sacrifice or we can reject and maybe you're listening today or you're in here. Uh, maybe you're watching or you're in here and you never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never experienced having a new heart. Maybe you've never experienced having your sins forgiven. Having the weight off in being able to live for Him, to give your heart and give your life to Him. We're going to pray together if that's you. If you're in this place, just lift your hand. Anyone here, going to pray. And those watching, and you can respond online. We'd love to get back with you. Let's all say this. God, I thank you for the sacrifice. I didn't deserve it. I definitely didn't earn it. But your love came to me. It's coming right now. And I see what you did for me. I see the price that you paid. In sacrificing your son, Jesus, I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life, to be the king on the throne of my heart. And I'll follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. I'm going to learn about you. I'm going to get in your word. Thank you. Thank you. And I call you holy God. Holy God. And worship and adore you. In Jesus' name.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.